0: Hello, and welcome to Planning People, the newly rebranded NMA podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, online producer here at NMA, and this week I'm joined by four people who are all here to discuss advisor directories. They are, to my right, Adam Price, Founder and Chief ad- Executive of Vouched VouchedFor. Across from me is uh, Ray Adams, Director of Newport-based financial planning firm Niche IFA. He's also the founder of Advisor Book. We have Karen Bar- Barrett, uh, Founder and Chief Executive of Unbiased. And I'm also joined, I'm glad to say, by Phil Bray, who's Director of the Yardstick Agency. I'm hoping he will keep me on the straight and narrow. Thank you all for being with me. Um, let's get started. Um, It seems that we've made quite a lot of progress with advisor directories in uh, promoting the the value of good financial planning. Um, What more can we do to improve that? Um,
1: Well, I think that um, first of all, I would say that we don't consider ourselves a directory. So I think that first of all, we need to look at where we've come from, you know, we're not. Ye- using yellow pages anymore, people mm. are not using listings and actually we need to be looking at technology and how technology can make you know, financial advice and access to financial advice better and easier. So when we're looking at the value of advice we're thinking how can we get people engaged with mm. that process, how can we make people ask is it for me and start researching and thinking could I get a better outcome or could I feel more confident with my finances if I engage the services of a professional. So. I do think that our service isn't a directory alone. We're an mm-hmm. online service, and actually yeah. we look to do more than just show people a big long list of advisors because they get lost in, com- in comparing you know, what they're looking for. They don't even know what they're looking for in many cases. Um, I think that services such as ours um, have probably had a lot to do with promoting and educating around the value of advice for a long, long time. We have the most... Um, consistent spends, you know, putting information and educational pieces out into the consumer marketplace. So I think we've got a really big role to play.
0: Mm, Okay. Um, Adam, uh, what do you think can be done to improve the customer's awareness of advice?
2: Yeah, so if I start by stepping back and thinking about uh, what's happened in the profession over recent years, I think on the one hand, really positive news is that more and more people are searching for financial advisors. So in the time that I've been working on vouched for since about late 2010, uh, searches for financial advisors have gone up about 75% on Google. Mm. So I think that's a, that's a great testament to all the work that's been done professionalising the industry. It's also a reflection of all the uh, things that have happened in the pensions environment. Such as the pension freedoms. Absolutely. And DB tra- uh, transfer values and, and auto-enrolment. So so that, that's some good news. The demand for advice is up. The flip side is that the existing advisor pool are increasingly at capacity. Mm. Um, So that raises some questions about what what can be done in in terms of the pool of advisors. It also raises a danger and we're seeing this right now in in a world where demand for advice is high and it's becoming harder to find the right advisors Mm. through capacity constraints that creates an environment that's ripe for scammers. Mm. So uh, when I think about what that means for services like ours I completely agree with Karen. Uh, I think we need to move beyond directory, being a directory in the traditional sense. I think we need to use technology, I think we need to innovate. A couple of examples on, on our side are we've been investing more and more in the checks that we do uh, to give consumers that confidence mm. that any given advisor adheres to, to high standards. So we've obviously got the, the reviews that, that we're well known for. Uh, we've also recently uh, begun encouraging advisors to upload fee information into Vouchable. Okay. We also now require advisors to upload their certificates as well. So that's one set of things we're doing, investing in the checks. The other key thing we do is we, we don't see ourselves merely as a presenter of information mm. and then leave it to the consumers and advisors from there on. We like to say stay with the consumer the whole way through the journey. Okay. So we, we follow up with every single one of them to find out how the experience was. We encourage them to write a review about the advisor on the website. And wherever you know, the vast majority of the time, the experience has gone very well. If it hasn't, then we will proactively take steps to, to help put things right. Mm. So, yeah, I completely agree. We, need, as, as 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 a set of services, and and as, you know, new new entrants out there, the thinking of, of building new services. I think you know we need to innovate. There's some big challenges out there, mm. and it's good to see some some steps already being taken.
0: Okay, Ray, you founded Advisor book relatively recently. Yes. Um, You've been in the studio talking about that before, um, so sort of two mini questions. The first one, you know, why did you do that uh, in the context, you know, why, why is advisor book needed? And second, what's your view of the, um, the idea of a, a directory being more than just a directory?
3: Uh, actually, I'm going to be slightly contrary now and actually disagree with both Adam and Karen. I think oh. there is a need for a directory, okay. absolutely a need for a directory. Uh, I agree entirely with what Adam is saying that uh, the advisor pool is now too small for the demand mm. public are demanding advice. Um, many years ago financial advisors sadly had a very poor reputation mm. through bad practices um, and the profession has tried to improve itself through regulation and qualification and I think it has improved itself and we're now at a point where we've got less than 30,000 from the heydays of over 300,000. Mm-hmm. So one-tenth of the advisor population, but with the same members of the public. Hence, the advisor pool is getting small. Okay. So why did I uh, decide to, to launch AdvisorBook and spend 120,000 pounds of my own money and not charge any of my peers to do it? Uh, yeah, I asked myself the question. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it actually happened one day when we had an inbound uh, email into my office asking if we could assist a client with a specific task they needed to do and one of my staff replied and said yes this is within our skill scope and, and, and remit and we can assist you give us more information mm-hmm. and the reply was thank goodness for that you're the 17th firm I've contacted okay. that have said you could assist me Wow and at that point I thought we are letting the public down mm, okay okay I don't think I've got any specific skill set which is great at uh, at niche Um, you know, we're pension specialists, but you know, we're chartered, independent, financial advisors, fee-based, we're fairly typical. Why did they have to contact 17 firms before they got one to say yes? So I thought something was missing, Mm. okay? So I wanted a directory that a member of the public could go on, search for somebody ideally local to them, and let them filter on what they want. I want somebody to talk about inheritance tax, who's chartered, who's independent, and let them filter all the control in the hands of the member of the public. Okay.
1: Just to put some statistics sort of behind that, we've got three ways in which a consumer can contact an advisor. They can call up and talk to a human who will talk them through the options and help them through, at unbiased. At unbiased yeah. through the process. They can search the directory themselves or they can be matched using our algorithm. If we're comparing the directory and the matching service, people are 50% more likely to go on and take advice from the matching service than they are in the directory. And the reason the directory doesn't work as well is people fall out. They start putting in their, um, their criteria and they get confused by it. You know, if you want a pension transfer and you need a particular accreditation or qualification that you're seeking in that advisor, or you want equity release advice and you're looking for someone with ER1, it just becomes gobbledygook. And once they start looking at a list, they think, how do I compare um, and that's where, you know, testimonials and ratings and things come into their own, but people fall out of that process and I just think that we need to be smarter than this. You can see other platforms and online services saying there's a consumer need here, there's a demand for something that's quick and easy and I'm Unbiased we want to use data from all the millions of people we've already helped. Mm. Aggregate that data and say for the future people using our service… going to use that data in a sensible way to help them through that process we need them to get in front of an advisor as quick as possible Mm. because nine and a half people or more out of ten who seek advice are really happy with the advice and when we talk about value of advice there's no better person out there to drum in the value of advice to a potential client or an existing client than the actual advisor themselves Mm. so that's definitely where we're going with it we we want technology and our data and and previous experience Ready to come into its own aware we're helping every new contact who hits our site.
0: And to what extent is trust uh, a factor in all of this? Um, obviously, others chip on this too, but to what extent is the uh, reputation of financial services front and centre of you know, your agenda in, in trying to engage consumers?
2: Yeah, I mean, trust is a massive factor and it, it can mean lots of different things. Uh, trust that this advisor is legitimate and is going to give me good advice is one trust that I found the right advisor for my, this very specific need, such as the, the, the case that, that Ray gave, uh, or trust that, that an advisor is going to add value to me. It's often hard to understand the value of advice until you've had it or you've spoken to the advisor. So all these things are, are really important. Again on our side we, we find the reviews really helpful, uh, both in terms of giving that trust that this advisor has helped other people um, but also in terms of giving more of a, a flavour uh, in, in ways that the client can perhaps empathise with, mm. reading in someone else's words, someone else who's been in that situation, yeah. and, and reading about the stories that, that um, they, those clients have. So, yeah, I think you know trust is massive. I think one of the things we're doing is also uh, increasingly appreciating that um, Vouchful can do much more than just help those consumers coming through the site and just and help advisors much more. Than, than generating inquiries through the site for them. Okay. So we're increasingly looking to give advisors tools that they can use across all of their marketing channels and with people from initial inquirers through to existing clients that help show that they're an advisor that can be trusted. So whether that's a PDF of all of their reviews that they can hand out or a, okay. a widget they can put on their website that displays all of their reviews. We've got various, various tools like that. So yeah, I, I think trust is absolutely key.
0: Can um, you mention the word gobbledygook? Mm-hmm. Um, it's constantly complained about that financial services, as a sector, is too f- filled with jargon and terms that no one's going to understand, and that it's actually a deliberate overcomplication in a bid to extract money from people, etc., etc. Um, what role do the um, the directories plus more <laughs> have um, in um, debunking all of that sort of gobbledygook?
1: I think that that's one thing that the services that we provide do really well. We have a team who, who write content, trying to take complex issues and present right. them in a way or at different levels, actually, to cater to different audiences. Because our job here is to draw people in. We have a job to um, educate people prior to them going and, and talking to an advisor about what the process might look like, for example. Two main barriers we see are, one, people think advice isn't for them. So that's, you know, we know that inheritance tax thresholds are low. People who actually have a plan, you know, there's been the ILC, the Royal London, and our own value of advice reports have have shown again and again that people who plan to take advice and follow that plan are financially and emotionally better off because of it. Mm. Uh, And the other one is cost of advice. So we've been the Google Trusted Partner with our um, cost of advice research for the past six years, it's a really big barrier. People do not want to sign an open-ended cheque. If I walk into a boutique and see a dress there and it's got no price in it, I'm going to come right back out and go to a high street store where I know I can afford it. And people are no different when it comes to advice. They want to know what they're what they're going to be paying. And once you get over those, those sorts of um, issues with people and present information in a way that they can understand and feel confident and comfortable taking the next step, you're onto a winner. You know you're engaging that person. You're going to get more and more people mm. actually going on and taking advice and improving their outcome.
3: Ray, is there anything specifically that you can think of that? Well, I didn't answer on the first question, which was about uh, where uh, Karen mentioned gobbledegook okay. and people dropping off. Okay, yeah. well, actually, I think that means we're doing something wrong. Mm. Okay, if we if we can't make the technology clear that the members of the public are dropping off, I think it's the problem of the technology provider not the member of the public. Uh, and a great example of that is I'm j- actually changing my car now on the weekend. I, I, I'm not motivated by cars greatly. There's loads and loads of gobbledygook regarding cars, pan roofs and 21-inch rims and all the rest of it. But actually, I use a program called uh, uh, Auto Trader, which is fantastic. I can just go on there. Because I know some of the things that I definitely do want. Yeah, like okay. it's got to be red. And then I can filter, absolutely black, <laughs> And then I can filter it all down. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And actually, that's one of the things I say to my development team. We need to get our search and filter functionality as good as the uh, uh, auto trader. Okay. Mm -hmm. so if we've got gobbledygook losing clients, we're doing something wrong, in my opinion.
2: No, sorry, I was just going to build on on what Ray was saying and and Karen earlier. We we found that there are different consumers out there at different stages in the process. And so there are those that do know uh, pretty much what they want. and, And for them... Uh, Putting them into a location-based directory with lots of good filtering is is a a good journey, we found. But most consumers are nowhere near that stage in the process. Um, Some will be just starting to look into financial advice. The vast majority, 12 million according to the the FCA, haven't even considered looking at advice. So advice is a very different thing to uh, buying cars. We've all driven cars. Uh, we, we may not be experts or Can
0: I mechanics. just declare at this point that I have never driven a car? Okay, I apologize. <laughs> <does. laughs> many,
2: uh, many more of us have driven cars than had financial advice, <laughs> uh, to, to clarify what I meant. So, um, I, I do think you need different types of journey for different people at different stages.
3: Um, and most yeah. people who have driven a car will have had some element of financial advice, either to save the money up to buy the car cash, or to uh, have a loan to buy the car, so yeah, people are at different journeys. But you know, it's not just financial advice. Right at the end, uh, you know, with in our profession, with regards to investment and pensions, financial advice covers a much bigger remit than what we do as IFAs. Yeah, Phil, you would want to say something?
4: Yeah, I think there's two elements to this, as Adam rightly points out. There's there's consumers who um, are reasonably um, educated, financially aware. Um, who may listen to, I don't know, Moneybox at, at the weekend. Mm. And if you listen to, to Paul, um, Paul Lewis, um, he's got various different filters for choosing a, an advisable planner, to use that generic term, um, and uh, chartered, independent, fixed fee. Um, so if you're heading on to, you're, you're not going to find that on the FCA register. You're not going to be able to narrow down the, the field using the FCA register. Therefore, we're gonna, they're going to come, consumer potentially will come to sites such as ones you, you three um, And it's important that for those who are looking for something specific and they're taking in this instance uh, Paul's advice, that they. Does Paul give advice? Um, <laughs> yes. That they, um, that they find those, uh, those advisors or planners with, that match those, those criteria. Um, and therefore, I, I'm with you, Ray, on this, that a directory has a key part to play for those who have enough information. To be able to narrow down what they're what they're looking for, mm. um, if they don't have that information, and they're putting their trust in that algorithm that's going to match them to an advisor, then they have to they have to have that trust in the algorithm that the algorithm is going to be sophisticated enough um, to find the right the right advisor or planner for them, mm. um, and not just um, an advisor or planner that has. Um, I don't know. Is it the, the top of the search end, the top of the rankings for for whatever reason? They've got to have trust in the algorithm. It's it's got to be, yes. um, it it's got to work and, and match them.
3: What what? Um. Building on from that, what's definitely happened of late, and Adams touched on it with pension freedoms. There's a huge demand for advice, and with the re- reduction, and I said that financial advice financial advice had a poor reputation, but it has improved, mm. and in fact, it's improved so much that if you have a pension with safeguarded benefits, which most people call a final salary, you have to, by law, Mm. take financial advice. So we've moved from a position where we were perceived as giving poor advice. It's now being mandated by the government that you take advice. So I think that's a huge, huge boost for the reputation of the profession I'm in, Mm. that we've now moved to that. And everybody's had a part in that. I've got great affection for Unbiased. When I first became an IFA 10, uh, 11, 12 years ago, first thing I did is sign up for Unbiased because I thought it was brilliant what they were doing uh, 10 or 11 years ago. So going back to the pension freedoms where people have to take advice, they, they know what they want. I need a black car. I need financial advice on safeguarded benefits and the, the people are at risk of being scammed at the moment, mm. okay? So if there's, a re- if there's a directory, they can go on and search it, find a person who's regulated, filter it down with, they have safeguarded benefit permissions, gobbledygook, we filter it down, okay? Mm. We then say, what criteria, they've spoken to Paul, I want chartered, I want independent, I want fixed fee, there's what's spouted out. Then give the member of the public the control to do due diligence on three or four, five, six websites let them decide. Not give me your name, telephone number and sit by the phone and somebody will ring you. Let the member of the public extract the information and ring the advisor direct. So that's what what i think we need to do
1: i mean i'd argue we do that so we do that Mm -hmm. with the directory what i'm also arguing is that not everyone's talking to paul lewis in fact very few are and Mm -hmm. and paul's rewriting his blog at the moment on how to find a financial advisor and if you if you do know about paul and you listen that you need this filter and this filter and this filter and that will spit out what you want fine but that is not the majority of people's experience people Mm -hmm. are coming to our site from all manner of, of referrals and stages in their process and what they require. Mm-hmm. I'd also actually question, do people know they need advice on safeguarded benefits when they've got a pension? They don't, mm-hmm. it hasn't gone into their brains. What uh, it is exactly-
3: There's it a letter from what exactly the pension it provider is, which says you have to take advice right, from-
1: There's a letter and there's words on that letter and it doesn't, it mean, doesn't really mean what it means to you to the consumer. It's a pension, they've got to get advice on a pension. And we find that many people who are looking for this p- specific advice don't use those keywords that mean a specific thing to advisers. Mm. And so they have the choice, they can talk to someone, they can go through the directory if they do know what they're looking for and they're looking for DB transfers, or they can go through the algorithm. And I'm just saying that people who go through the algorithm, they can uh, leave testimonials that, uh, um, and reviews on Trustpilot and Google reviews. And what we've seen is two things. One that go through the algorithm, go on to seek advice and actually have an appointment and go through the advice process at a higher rate. That's a good thing. Mm. The directory's there for those people who know what they want. That's a good thing. And we also know that... Um, People will tell other people about our service once they've been through that, and that level of trust, because word of mouth and those people that you um, you know, and your family and friends are a really key indicator of where you should be going and seeking advice. That is raised.
4: There's clearly a place for both, hmm. um, and it's and they both serve slightly different different markets um, and slightly different levels of financial awareness potentially. Yeah. Um, so there's there's, there's definitely a, an element of of both fulfilling a Fulfilling a need, but it's about the. For me, then, it's about the trust. Um, is the is the directory um, and is, is the directory search a fair representation of what's what's available? Is the algorithm that matches what, what in whatever format um, does the, can the consumer trust that that algorithm you know um, what what to match w- them to the match sorry to match them to the best the most appropriate advisor or advisors for their for their need.
1: That's all absolutely correct, and I think we talked around some of the issues. One of the other big issues we've seen is, almost the customer service element of once we've got someone through to an advisor, that initial contact has to be reacted to really, really quickly with some level of acknowledgement that I can help you, I can't Mm. help you, um, I know that you're there waiting for advice for me, and that's a really key component. Can you put a time frame on
4: that that you think it should be? Well, we're matching
1: people in 60 seconds and and we have um, turnarounds within four hours as our sort of time scale. In terms of if I was running an advisory business, Um, You should be on that within minutes um, in terms of I've got your inquiry. Someone will be in touch later today, tomorrow, setting the expectation. Mm. And for us um, and the services I'm imagining around this table, we put a lot of money and effort and resource into getting that person to the advisor's front door. And what we really need is to start um, getting the majority of advisors, some are already doing it, but others are not. We need, as an industry, to have almost that customer service attitude to this person wants advice. I'm not going to let them go anywhere. I'm going to take this opportunity and ensure, even if I'm not helping them, I've got some, you know, either put them back into unbiased system Mm. or refer them somewhere or help them in some way. Because our feedback from customers is if they get to that point and someone says, oh, I can't help you. You know, we're talking about people with DB transfers and if we match them incorrectly with an advisor who didn't do it, they get really upset and confused Mm. by that rejection almost. And I think that we need to work harder as an industry of dealing with people who have actually got through the system and at that point of contact. That's a really big issue. And that's why we introduced... Our advisor rating, which is actually a measurement of of the um, reactiveness and engagement of advisors with consumers on our platform, because we saw an issue in terms of we saw in our trust pilot scores, people were not feeling that they were getting um, contacted quickly enough. And actually, I saw on mm-hmm. Twitter, Phil, you were in, included in this conversation where. One of our advisors had gone on holiday and not used the holiday pause feature and then their, their rating had gone down because they hadn't rejected the inquiry, which helps it through the system yeah, yeah. And, and was not happy about that. And I'm thinking, but there's, a, there's someone here who's wanting advice and they're sitting in the system thinking they're being ignored. Mm. And that's a travesty. Can I just ask about that?
4: You've got... Um, the, the, the research that we've done shows that the the, the the response rating since it was introduced actually helped to... Um, reduce negativity on trust pilot for those that couldn't be couldn't be matched, um, but the response rating measures the time it takes an advisor to click a button and accept the inquiry. It doesn't necessarily monitor the response rating to the actual consumer and getting in touch with the with the with the with the, with the potential client. Um, any. So any way of expanding what you do to make it more relevant to the consumer?
1: First of all, I say it didn't reduce negativity, it increased positivity. So, Failure. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that I think that um, a willingness to engage quickly on the platform at that first point is a good indicator of how they're going to treat a customer. Um, we can always improve what we're doing. And, you know, people think of our, our site as a homepage which people come to and then they go down, triage through these three these three channels, it does not work like that. We no. could have eight test pages on a homepage. We could have 16 different landing pages for people coming in. We are constantly monitoring journeys and processes, looking for the optimum you know, combination of journeys and information that we're providing to a customer. It's an ongoing thing and we are looking to match customer requirements to advisors who want that business. We do not want a mismatch. We don't want customers going to advisors who can't help them. And we don't want to be, uh, you know, the customer acquisition tool to not work for our our customers who are the professionals who are wanting inquiries from the unbiased machine. We don't want to get that wrong either. We want an ecosystem that works and is fluid. Um, And so, you know, we can always improve. These are are measurements we've put in. You know, always as a starting point, and, mm. and definitely we can improve on that.
0: Um, I'm intrigued by this sort of reactiveness issue, um, and I don't know whether this is an appropriate comparison, but it feels to me a, a lot as though uh, one thing you could you could compare sort of these the, plat- the functionality of these um, directory platforms with is, is dating apps. Dating apps nowadays, you can get a response within seconds, and you know instantly whether someone is interested you in you or not. Now that may be, uh, subjectively speaking, you know, un- unjust or unfair. And you think, oh God, you know, he or she doesn't like me. Um, but it, surely there's a lot that you guys can learn from this kind of technology and. I wanted to ask Adam specifically, whether, you know, what are your thoughts on the reactiveness?
1: What, what dating apps have you been on, well, Adam? I, uh, <laughs> I think
2: it's a great idea, and I, I'd love to see Tinder for financial advisors. Swipe right if you, if you want. To
0: there's see. the headline. You see, now I've got my headline. And, you know, uh, whether we forward. will build
2: that or not, I, uh, I, I doubt. But, but it is an example. I mean, you're quite right to bring up dating as an example. That, that it is, there are all sorts of different ways that dating sites work, from, from that example through to, say, eHarmony, where it's, there's a lot more detailed profiling and, and clever algorithmic matching, and yeah, I would love to see that, that level of innovation in, uh, in our space as well. Um, in terms of coming back on a, a couple of the points that were made, I mean, I completely agree, Feel, having the ability to filter is important for a, a key set of consumers, not all, not all consumers but a key set of consumers, and there are definitely filters that have been mentioned here that we don't have currently, that we should have and we will have, although we do have the underlying data, so that's a relatively straightforward one for us. And then in terms of the algorithmic matching again we give consumers choice there so you can either given any set of filters you can either order the search results by distance which is the classic way of doing it or review volume or our default is basically a combination of of the two Um, and then in terms of advisor responsiveness I, i think that's a really important thing to measure but to phil's point it's the first thing in a journey we go as far as understanding what happened in, in those initial couple of weeks, so did you make contact and for, we, we get 60% of consumers actually tell us what's happened, which is phenomenally high. Mm. In 88% of cases the advisor has made contact within, uh, by, the, by the end of the next working day. Um, 71% of those who are contacted want to take things further. In about 5% of cases, we need to reallocate to a different advisor for whatever reason, and often we will refund that inquiry if, if we've got the matching wrong. Okay. But even there, that's only going so far. You know, I, I'd, like, I'd like us to be innovating uh, as far as understanding the actual advice that was given. Was it good advice? That, that's the ultimate okay. test in many respects. And for all the talk we've had of directories, when, when you think back the, to some of the recent scams that have happened, often those people were those advisors were on the FCA register they were regulated they were in directories um, so yeah I think lots of innovation required from matching and mm. dating is a, a great example to look at there all the way through to, to ensuring you've got the right filtering uh, and, and the right consumer outcomes We'll come on to scams in a moment, but um, I want to pass to Phil because
0: Phil uh, always has his ear to the ground regarding uh, advisors using um, these sorts of sites. Uh, I know you have a lot of conversation with uh, a lot of conversations with your clients about them, uh, and I gather, Phil, that you have uh, a big question for each of our yeah. guests. So, would you like to kick off with that?
4: I th- we, j- just to put it in context, really, um, the we have one hundred and two clients that we've done business with since we started the Artic Agency, and almost without exception, we recommend a combination of the three the three directories to um, to our, our clients I can't think of a client that we haven't recommended for example un- unbiased to um, and it's, it's it's a combination of the different uh, the different directories to to produce an outcome for that cl- for our client um, which is um, often around producing a steady flow of new inquiries using for example virtual reputational tools etc um, but I have regular conversations with with advisors um, about directories if we can use that term for the, for the moment, um, both clients and, and non-clients. And in terms of advisor book, one of the questions that I've, I've had over the past, um, so far this year, is that advisor book's free this year. Um, and I think, unless you correct me, Ray, that the plan is to go to a paid for model next year. And one of the questions I've had from advisors and planners is how can they be sure, um, or how can they be confident, not sure, but confident, that the, the return on investment they get from their, their membership fees in 2019, uh, will be will be acceptable. Will be
3: well. well hopefully the return on investment uh, will be fairly simple to achieve because the cost is going to be very, fairly modest, really. You know, all I'm asking advisors is to pay 10p a month for their firm to be registered. You know, so in, you know over a two-year period, 240 pounds to be paid in. Um, you know, I think there's a, a, a and there's a need for vouch for and unbiased but vouch for you know that may cost one just one one inquiry might cost 240 pounds whereas actually it's two years registration on on unbiased so you know what i want advisors to do is to acknowledge what we're trying to do okay i'm not against these other guys i've actually got my company profile on unbiased Mm. because i think it's very important and some of my staff have vouched for profiles okay because i, I want to go all the way back to the um the fastest finger button because that really grates me Be- mainly because it it's it's acknowledging the person who can t- tick the box the quickest bang mm. now the problem is of about six thousand firms about a third of them are one advisor firms so if that advisor actually is in with the client one would assume they're not in a position to actually press the button mm. another 2,200 of the firms, another third or so, are actually two to five advisors. So actually, we're identifying the fastest person to respond, not necessarily the best person. And actually, I don't think we even need to get a position where we need to respond. Because actually, if you go back to what I'm asking for, just give the information to the public and let them search and let them pick up the phone and just ring in a time to suit them not sit and wait for them to be responded to. Mm. Just phone the advisor firm, fairly simple. So we're creating all of these algorithms to, to time when people are responding, don't need to. Just give them the website and the, their telephone number and let the member of the public ring them.
4: That's my view. Then Adam the actually really interested in terms of the, um, the reviews and the the trust that a consumer can place in them, of the veracity of those reviews. Um, And also, um, the ability to... People often only know they've had poor advice in months, years later. Um, I'm quite sure a lot of people at British Steel thought they had perfectly fair advice. I'm sure we'll get on to British Steel. Um, But it was only in months later that they realised that the advice was maybe not as good as it, it could have been in some circumstances. So how do you ensure that... The reviews are authentic. How do you, how do you make sure that they are a true reflection of what happened at that point, but also ongoing as well? Do you see one, see one going? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So let me let me take each point in turn. On how do we ensure they're authentic? We obviously we have to work really really hard at that. It, it's more important on our site than any other I, I could think of. When, you know, when I think about things like TripAdvisor, um, and so there's four things that that, that we do. Uh, one is, and this will sound quite obvious, we check that the advisor is regulated by the FCA. Now, that, you might say, oh, I should hope so. But then if you think Google reviews, trust pilot reviews, there's nothing to stop anyone from setting up a profile on those websites, pretending to be an advisor and getting reviews. So, mm. yeah, That's the first point I'd make. And I'll come back to that. The second thing we do, and, and this is more common across other review sites, is we, we have algorithms that mine lots and lots of data and there's there's lots of data you can see about reviewers to try and detect odd patterns in in what's happening. And then that algorithm will trigger manual uh, investigations um, that that we will undertake. The third thing then is, and and this again, it it ties back to the first point and it's uh, relatively unique to us, is we have the advisor attest to the validity of every single reviewer. Before they've seen the review, but they say, yes, this reviewer is valid. Uh, he is a client or she is a client. Mm. What that means is should we detect any anomalies or, or fraud through those the algorithm and the investigations we've done, we can hold that advisor accountable. Whereas if we didn't do that, like so with TripAdvisor, et cetera, you may be able to t- detect reviews are fraudulent, you can't necessarily tie it back to that advisor. The advisor could claim it was a competitor up the road trying to get him into trouble or, or, or all sorts. And then of course with it being such a heavily regulated industry, uh, there's lots of uh, potential ramifications and consequences for that advisor should they have tried to mislead us. And then the fourth thing is we, we don't just take reviews from existing clients as I've mentioned anyone that comes through the website will be back in touch with them We'll be encouraging them to, to leave reviews as well. So yeah, we, we, we do everything we can possibly think of to, to ensure the reviews are as authentic as possible. On the on the point around how useful are they? Um, is it not the case that sometimes clients need to wait years uh, before they know whether advice was good or not? Mm. Uh, a, a few things I'd say there. One is we ask clients to review and rate across three dimensions. Quality of advice is one. Service is another. Value for money is another. I think certainly on service and value for money, you can judge those more quickly and more, more readily. Um, we also ask the client and display this information. Uh, we ask them, how long have you been a client to this advisor? So some reviews, you can see it from clients the uh, you know, open clients for 20 years, others uh, shorter term. We also ask lots of information about the client, so anything from age to wealth to their perceived financial expertise, and, and we display all of that information as well. So, yeah, we've worked really hard to, to make the review system as, as robust and helpful as it can possibly be. Um, it doesn't stand in isolation. We do the FCA checks, we do the qualification, uploads, we, we now do the, the, the fee information as well. And, you know, I think we need to do more, um, but that, that's where we are
4: currently. Mm. Cheers, Adam. Um, in terms of Unbiased, um, I don't, like I say, I'm racking my brains. I can't think of a client that we have have that I've not recommended to go on Unbiased as a part of their marketing, marketing mix. Um, however, the, the feedback I get is the return on investment from all the directories, I think, is, is excellent if you, if you look at it in the, in the long term. But the feedback I get from advisors and planners about Unbiased almost without exception, is frustration in the way concierge inquiries or matched inquiries, uh, their ability to, in a commas, win them, the fact they go within seconds. Um, and it is, it's hugely frustrating for advisors and planners. And my concern is that they're focusing on that rather than all the other good stuff that you, you, you do. So I just wonder what your plans were to address that?
1: Well. Ray's just said you know, he feels that that inquiry should go to the best advisor, not the, fu- you know, not the person who's won it the quickest. Well, it's actually the other way around. We matched before we sent the inquiry out and we sent it to the best matched advisors. That was done on a level playing field where that inquiry goes out at the same time to those advisors and people are, yes, competitively winning mm. those inquiries. So those people who are a, a, a single uh, man offices, you know, admin staff can they do something about um, accepting those inquiries? Um, can you ensure that your profiles are, you know, properly indicating specifically the type of customer you want to be winning so that your direct inquiries are higher and you're getting your inquiries through that route if that's where you want your new business to come from? For me, the match was done, so that's what, we're, that's what we're, our first priority is. The second then is to ensure that, that customer gets a quick reaction. And actually, in the last few years, because of that system, we have come on in leaps and bounds in terms of servicing our customers. Now, the other thing we're doing is to generate more inquiries. So the more inquiries we generate, and actually we're doing really well on that. Year on year, our growth is, is into treble figures of the inquiries that we generate. We don't see any problem in terms of, I think that there is a, a smaller pool of advisors and the demand for advice is up, given the ageing demographic and the pension reforms and continuing tax reforms, for example. But on our site, we're seeing more inquiries coming through and we're matching and placing more of those quality inquiries. And that's what we're focusing on. So in terms of our system, you know, what are we looking to do to address it? I understand it's frustrating for advisors, mm. but the system works. The system works as in it is placing customers' inquiries with the right advisors. So what can we do to ensure that um, advisors are set up correctly in order to have a fair chance of winning their their fair share of inquiries is something we are continually looking at. But at the moment, I I would suggest that the system is working at a degree.
4: Again, just to come back then slightly, it is it is a huge source of frustration, massive, um, and one of the a lot of advisors are worried that other their competitors have set up bots, autoresponders, et etc. Have you seen any evidence of that? Because absolutely
1: it is, not. I think you're the only one that that is using the word bot. I'm only
4: using it because people are using it to me.
1: Um, um, well, I think that you know people are always going to be worried that someone's doing something that they're not doing. We have seen no evidence of it whatsoever. Um, we are continuing, you know, as I was explaining before we started this podcast, we um, currently work in, in five markets now um, financial advisors, mortgage advisors, solicitors, accountants. We launched into the care market two months ago, and we've got two further launches this year. And what we are looking at is people people making big life decisions. We've created an ecosystem where people register their customer account, once they've gone through an inquiry, they've registered an account, and we are collecting information on that person to be with them as a trusted partner throughout their life. And that means that, for instance, our financial, replacing a financial inquiry or a a pension inquiry with an advisor, for us, is just the first step in us helping that person manage their big life decisions for the rest of their life. I think that's a huge opportunity. We launched into the care market um, three months ago. Um, we did that because our customers were saying, I've got, you know, I'm have got, i looking at long-term care fees planning, I'm worried about sort of the end-of-life financial planning. We then decided that we would move into um, connecting um, people with um, in-home care. And actually what we're seeing is that's affording us from within our customer, Um, accounts ecosystem, the opportunity to cross-reference financial advisors and say, well, here's here's, here's some information about financial advisors we think could help you with where we see you are in your your life. Mm. For me, I can understand that there is frustration about not winning a really good, excellent looking inquiry that completely fits the bill of what you're looking for. But it's not
4: just that one inquiry. It's not winning, and I've, I've I got access to probably 40 unbiased accounts for the clients that we've yeah. set up and recommended, yeah. so we, we can look at this data, um, and it's, it's almost winning any, um, and seeing them go within 60 seconds, um, and it's, it is, I can't emphasise enough how frustrating it is, yeah. and if I use the word bot or respond, it's only because people have used it to me. Yeah.
1: Um, well, possibly and... it's to do with the fact that we have thousands of, of professionals on our service we're a nationwide service we have lots of yeah. people using ourselves probably more than both advisor book and, and virtual because yeah, sure they have is. different propositions um, and it's about balancing the service that we provide to many thousands of professionals with the needs our customers have and the, the good level of service that we want to provide them mm. of course there's always more that we can look at and we have done we have behind the scenes looked at how we can potentially you know um shape things to, um, to to make everyone happier. But I would say at the moment, you know, I would defend and say the system is actually working. Those inquiries are being placed with really well-matched advisers um, and advisers are winning the business. We are generating more inquiries than we ever have done. They are going somewhere. They are going to advisers who match that inquiry.
4: Yeah, you're right. They, they are going somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's just um, not the advisors that we speak to in terms of the, the matched inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any plans to reduce, I think from memory, I've been told previously that they are generally matched to about five advisors. Yeah. Have you any plans to reduce that, to try and spread, make things a little bit more even? Because the the other thing that's obviously a problem as well is, whilst you send it out at the same time, yeah. it isn't always received at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a it's a dead it's horse, but it. It's huge. I can't emphasise how frustrating it is enough for advisors and planners.
1: We can't we can't manage when they're received. No, you can't. We, we can't manage them how many you at send at the same it time. Um, we have tested different things in terms of different numbers, from five down to three. Then we find there's an impact on that customer if three people aren't there and don't accept it. They get left for longer. That's mm. an issue. We've tested taking if someone accepts an inquiry, take them out of the pot for a 20 minute, an hour, for example, so that the next inquiry doesn't go to them. But it's it's all those little things that we are trialling and testing all the time. You know, I wouldn't, you know, it's quite interesting when I talk to you, Phil. It's like you've made this change on your website. And I cannot stress highly enough there is no change on our website that is um, permanent. You know, things are moving and changing constantly at a faster speed than ever before as we hone and tweak those conversion rates, those acceptance rates, um, even, you know, work around sort of AI, understanding when someone puts information in inquiry, what do they really mean? What actually happened to those people? Um, we opened up our customer account system at the back end of last year, and we have over 100,000 people logged into that customer account system now. And that provides that data for us that we can look holistically at data to understand when someone says they're coming through with hundred grand pension and they actually ended up having ten hundred grand pensions and it was a million pound inquiry and vice versa. Who were the best people to accept those inquiries? Who, Where was the best advisor? And continually working to ensure that those people, the, the hundreds of thousands that come through us each year, we take information from that and we work on it to improve the outcomes for those in the future. And it is an ongoing project and it will never be finished. Yes. But I'm hoping that we will continue and improve as we go on. And
4: it's, it's interesting where you, you referenced that um, that interaction a couple of weeks ago in terms of the, the capture form on the yes. when you're accepting, yes. um, and that got I, I raised that with you guys, yeah, um, because advisors raised it with, with me. And they were hoping that the ones that came to me they were hoping that the um, I didn't know it existed till they came to me, uh, but they were hoping that it was the um, it was going to create more of a level playing field and remove this perception of autoresponders, et cetera, Because I've never seen any okay, evidence
1: of so, so it. So I think you know that the reason we put that in was as part of a GDPR review. As I said, we're moving into different markets, so legal and care. Mm. The um, the amount of personal information and data that we are starting to take in, you know, it's highly sensitive. We want to ensure that no hacker can get through our system. We know that hacking programs are automatic. Like, they attack your system on a repetitive basis. That capture was put in as a test, and it may go again, as I said, We've Put it in as a test to see can we make the data and the the inquiries that are coming through to our professional advisors more secure Mm. Um, i would have expected there to be no more of a level playing field because there were no bots and there was no one doing that so they won't they won't for that reason see a difference to the inquiry time and the acceptance rate that they saw previously yeah the two things are not connected no
4: (laughs) but because no one no one actually told advisors that, that why that capture form was there um, um,
1: yeah, I mean that's just that's they, they LinkedIn two two don't together. tell me when they change a profile page, and Amazon doesn't tell me when they've changed something about my check-in process. As I keep talking about, our systems are changing and processes are changing for the good of the consumer in the main, but also our professional advisors, because if we can do right by the customer, they stand to um, to you know reap that success as well. So that's where our priority is with the consumer. and We're continually um, optimizing. The site. We don't continue to go and talk to people about we've changed this landing page or we've done this capture form because a we might be taking it off because it might be a failed um, a failed test and, and two um, the the mo- market is moving so fast that we just cannot keep telling people about you know what I see as admin changes almost mm-hmm. to our to our site on a daily basis. I'm not sure that people actually have the appetite. To know, I I don't know how many people contacted you, but out of the you know thirty thousand people that we have registered on our site, um, it's a small percentage that um, actually give two hoots whether our capture form was there or not.
3: Okay,
0: interesting. Um, I have three more questions uh, before we finish. Um, Adam wanted to come to you because you mentioned about uh, awards and qualifications. Um, What more can be done by directories and awarding bodies, particularly awarding bodies, to stop people? Claiming the status of regulated financial advisors who have no right to it, and, and what, can, what can directories do to, you know, to
2: stop the sort of fakers, if you will? Yeah. So, I would love to see accreditation bodies do the same thing, actually, interestingly, that the FCA have suggested they're going to start doing yes. uh, in the consultation paper yesterday, which is to make their data accessible um, to services like ours and any, anyone else that, that is considering building a service in this space make it accessible through what's called an API, which is a piece of technical jargon that basically means we can That's automatically the read the data and crucially um, produce that data in a way where it can be matched against FCA data. Because mm-hmm. if you just as a user look at some of the accreditation body directories, you might get an advisor name and address. That address may be different to the company address, um, which, is on, which is what's on the FCA register. There's no FCA ID on the award body directory. It's very hard, even as a consumer, to be sure that John Smith here is John Smith here. Mm. So yes, making that data available to services like, like all of ours and, and in a way that can be easily matched would, would be hugely beneficial, not just in terms of ensuring they have the qualifications that they say they have, mm. but in t- as we were talking earlier, in terms of improving the filtering and, and showing that someone not just have the, has a the permission to do this, but they also have some advanced qualifications in this space, I think could be really powerful.
0: Interesting. Okay, um, Ray, you are, you work in Newport in Wales. Um, you're down the road, literally, from where all the British steel uh, stuff had been kicking off. Um, I know you've sort of written and said a lot about that. Um, what is your awareness of the role or lack of role uh, of the directories in both the good and
3: the bad that we've seen from places like Port Talbot? Um, well from my experience um, most of the steel workers weren't using in any form of directory. Mm. Uh, most of them were just doing word of mouth and recommendation with their colleagues. And that
0: that was kind of the problem?
3: Yeah, it turned out to be the problem. Uh, there were seven thousand eight hundred uh, steel workers who had their pension transferred, and sadly, uh, it appears now that between one hundred and two hundred of them was done by a firm which mm. appears to have been a rogue firm. Okay, but that's mm. those one to two hundred seem to be attracting a significant amount of publicity um, regarding it. But certainly, the one to two hundred people who went to that firm all did it through word of mouth. Mm. Okay. Um, which is, which is good, you know, have a recommendation, but it would be great if we could then educate the public to go one beyond that and do some due diligence checks, shopping around, we would call it. Mm. You know, I, I, I was desperate to answer on from Adam there because I agree with him entirely about working with the awarding bodies when I set up. Uh, advisor book first thing I did is I wrote to all the awarding bodies said what I was doing and said could we set up an API to do it Mm. okay one answered immediately saying yes most just ignored me so I wrote to them all three times most still ignored me obviously the main one being the PFS and I had a um, a teleconference with uh, somebody from the the PFS and um, Mm whilst it all sounds like a good idea, uh, at that time they weren't prepared to do any API with any commercial organisation. Why not? Why, why, why do you think they weren't prepared to do that? I don't know. Unbiased, vouched for and advisor book are all commercial organisations. But we're all sat around the table now, technically competitors, but actually all, we all want the same thing. Yeah. We want better outcomes from them of the public. We don't want members of the public to be scammed. and We want them matched to the correct uh, advisor. Mm. Brilliant. So why can't we just work together? You know, Karen's mentioned technology, Adam's mentioned technology. Let's just do an API and talk to each other. It's really easy. Mm. All we've got to do is FCA, FCA API saying that firm has permissions. From the PFS, the, the advisors pass G60. Bang, they go together and there's a good indication that that firm has got a pension transfer specialist and they have permissions to it. It's so easy. The technology can talk to each other. Hopefully, the PFS and maybe a few other awarding bodies are listening to this now, and maybe they look in their inbox and think, "Why have we ignored Ray Adams <laughs> three times?" We'll be tweeting them, Ray. Don't worry. Brilliant. <laughs> um, final but not question. just for me. You know, let's do any guys, yeah. everybody.
1: We would love to. You know, do it. get, we're, get we're a podcast friends. in with the PFS. Yeah. And put some questions to them. Well, let's do, I'm do sure.
4: that. Had a six person around the table. Yeah,
0: fantastic. <laughs> um, final question uh, for all of you. Um, We, are slightly delayed, but we know there's going to be a new single uh, financial guidance body, the SFGB, not very um, catchy, but it's going to be there. We don't know what it's going to be called yet. Um, Surely there must be a role there for the directories to work with uh, that government organisation and uh, advertise to consumers so that they can be put in touch with financial advisors where that's appropriate. have, have any of you had any engagement with the government about that? Or do you have any plans? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Shall I go first? Yeah, yeah, go for it.
2: <laughs> Again, I think there may be some alignment on this point. So haven't spoken to this body, the, the new CEO is yet to be appointed. Yes. But from past experience with, with some of the constituent bodies that are going to form this body, I think there's two there's two things I'd really encourage them to do. One is Move away from an approach of liability minimization, by which I mean, yeah, for, for some customers, putting them into a directory is, is the right, um, right, right service, right journey, but for many, it's not. For many, they will get lost, as we've spoken about. Mm. Um, have, an, have an approach of maximizing the, and, and enhancing the consumer outcomes, and make that the goal. The current goal that's been proposed by the FCA yesterday with the new directory they're launching is around usage of the directory. Well, for me, that's not enough. It's one thing for people to use the directory. The key question is what happens as a result? So point number one, have have that as your goal around signposting advice, that that, um, the maximum number of consumers get good outcomes. Second is work with the private sector, encourage private sector innovation. Um, The historic response I've had is that they, um, or or bodies such as this new one, do not want to advantage one commercial uh, entity over another. Of course. So if they recommend voucher, a dis- unbi- uh, disadvantage, unbiased or vice versa. Of course. Uh, throw, throw that out the window, I would say. Set goals, set standards, encourage the private sector to raise its game, to innovate, to compete, to meet those. Mm.
1: I, I would say that it's interesting um, that the money advice service came up with their own directory. So they generate their funds from the, the, the providers and the advice Uh, professionals. We generate our funds from the advice professionals, but we can't be used because we're commercial and they're not. And they have a list which is not very good Mm. on their site and they think it's better than the innovative other services that are available. Um, When Money Advice Service was setting up their directories, they spoke to us, I'm sure they spoke to Adam at the time. Um, I know they spoke to Operator or Lead Tech and other people who are in the directory business. And from what I can see, they learned about what we were doing and they went and did a poor version of it. Mm. They don't promote to the same level as unbiased. They're not in the places where consumers are looking. They do have – so Money Advice Service looks at debt and more financial capability. They're not our target market anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pension area absolutely is. Um, and I would say that they're doing a disservice to customers in sending them either to the FCA directory, which is, you know, like sticking your wrists. You know, we see it as a lookup in terms of, I found them on unbiased. Are they regulated? Let me do part of my yeah, due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Or Money Advice Service. Um, and it's just not helpful. Yeah. It's really not. Now, I dealt with Hector Sans uh, in his capacity at Money Advice Service. I know he is um, part of the team that's cre- uh, cre- uh, he's heading up the team that he's creating at this new body. Um, I hold no hope out whatsoever that they will engage with the commercial um, yeah. directories, online services. Um, and I don't see them prioritising. Innovative, useful, consumer-centric services over what they feel they can provide themselves, mm. almost as a vanity project.
0: A vanity project to appear to be doing something whilst yeah. not really. Yeah, FCA. I mean,
1: let's so, so the the marketing spending campaigns that the FCA has put money behind in terms of RDR or changes in the advice sector. Mm. Uh, nothing, you know, absolutely nothing has been spent on raising awareness around you know the value of advice and. Um, how people can be better off. Now advice isn't for everyone, there's a particular target market that we're looking at, but can outcomes be improved? Absolutely, there's hundreds of thousands of people. Just under a million people are retiring every single year, and those people are not making the right decisions. They're making massive decisions about, you know, the next few decades in their life, and they are not seeking advice at the right time. And the FCA has put no money behind that. Um, you know, we see the SCFS. Have I got it right? Um, you know, the Arnie campaign, mm. millions behind that. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't see any other industry spending money. Say, okay, when it all goes wrong, here's how you claim money. Mm. They should be actually. Trying and engage people in doing the right thing because advisors are fantastic at doing the right thing yeah you know and engaging people getting into the industry and understanding you know we need more people in the industry we need more people using the industry and I just think the focus is is wrong
0: do you think there needs to be some kind of marketing campaign where Arnie is there saying, you know, stop trying to do get rid of Arnie. get Get rid of Arnie. Arnie. He's literally giving me
1: nightmares. I think it's a horrific (laughs) ad, and I think people only remember it because it's so bad. Now, maybe that was the strategy. Mm. But um, I'm sure everyone around this table would back and support a campaign led by the FCA where we actually look at the positives, where we aggregate all the good work, you know, I mentioned the uh, uh, International Longevity Centre's done some research with Royal London about the value of advice. We've done our own reports. Um, Voucher have done some work around cost of advice. We do that um, regularly. Um, we know that it's something that people are really interested in, transparency around advice costs and the process. That's where our focus needs to be. Um, and I think the people around this table are innovating at a level and a speed at which we never have before in terms of making services applicable to customers. And I'd really love to see, you know, the FCA or whatever body it is, the new body, work together with us. We're brimming with ideas. We would love to work with someone. But my past experience shows that they are not interested. Mm. And actually, I'm not sure that I would engage at this point, given my past Mm. experience, because they they suck out all the information about what you're doing and the innovation, which you readily give, hoping to move something forward for the customer. And then then you're ignored.
3: Any more for any more? Well, let's leave it on a positive. The FCA are going to keep the register and they're going to make it more user friendly and and more searchable. Because up to now now it's rubbish. (laughs) but It's going to be better. So that's that's good. Uh, But I think that was probably done in response to all what happened with British Steel, Frank Field getting involved. So what it does mean in response to Karen is actually if we can shout loud enough with a unified voice, they do sometimes listen because the FCA register was going to be pulled Mm. and it was going to just go to senior managers now they've cancelled the pulling of it and in fact they're going to enhance it Mm. so maybe we need to involve a few louder voices as well. Mm. Phil any final thoughts?
4: I completely agree with what I've just heard from Ray and what I've just heard from Karen, the the, the, uh, the government etc have a very poor History of campaigns. We had a big fluffy monster and auto enrolment, and then we had Arnie on the worky, yeah, worky. That was it. I was desperately trying <laughs> to think of the name. Um, and you guys are light years ahead of way ahead of where these these guys are. So they they should be engaging with you guys. It's great that they've listened, and i now beefing up the FCA register. I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Um, but they should be they should be engaging with you guys. Great FCA stuff. Um, Well, that seems like an appropriate
0: note on which to end. Um, Thank you to all our guests. Thanks, everyone. It's been great to have you here. Um, I think you'd all agree that's been a very interesting discussion. Um, Do join us again next week for another episode of Planning People. But in the meantime, you can check out our back catalogue on iTunes or on the podcast platform of your choice. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a lovely review if you have the time. So until next week, thanks and goodbye.